You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio. The FDNY has made great strides to recruit women. And while we can say today that there are indeed more women in more ranks and leadership positions than ever before, there is still work to be done. With us now is one member of this department who has played an important role in reaching out to young women who have expressed interest in joining the FDNY. Beyond her duties as a firefighter in Squad 270 in Queens, Jackie Michelle Martinez serves as the department's women's outreach coordinator. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you. It's good to see you. It's great seeing you. So let's start at the very beginning. What brings you into the FDNY? Mm, A poster. (laughs) And what did that poster say? Okay, so at the time I was a product manager for Ralph Lauren. Someone was a super buff and had that poster in that office that became my office. Really? And it said, join New Bravis. So I called. That's interesting because it sounded, sounds to me like you already had a pretty cool job. I had a great job. I had a great career. But I wanted more. Okay. I guess the gentleman who answered the phone took my name and number. The next phone call I got was from Captain Sheldon Wright. Sheldon Wright used to run recruitment, and he asked me a series of questions, and he said, you should think about becoming a fire safety cadet. And I was like, what's that? So he was like, you know, upon completion of the fire safety cadet program, you're eligible to become a New York City firefighter. And I'm like, okay, that's what I want. So then I joined the fire safety cadets. My fire safety cadet hire date was 9-11-01. Oh, wow. We were all supposed to meet here. We all came here. It didn't happen. You know, after that, they were like, you know, this program is closed. A lot of the fire safety cadet candidates, like myself, we were standing there baffled. But half of my class, they were children of firefighters. So they were worried. And we all went home. And then our flip hire date was 11-9-01. That number doesn't leave me, the 9-11, right? Yeah, right. You went to John Jay, you learned fire science, you learned nutrition, you ran on the side of the Hudson. It, it prepared you. Right. So because we were fire safety cadets, we were automatically put into EMS. It was a, a basic introduction to EMS. You got your certification. Then I was put in the EMS in March of 2002 for that whole year your ambulance would go down to ground zero. So we would go down to ground zero and, you know, go through the morgue. Very difficult period for many, many first responders. I just wanted to give back. From then, the open competitive came up, filing for it, as well as the promotion to firefighter. I took both. I applied for both. You wanted it that badly, huh? Oh, yeah, I did. I took both. And I'm glad I took both because... All of us that filed for the promotional exam were not eligible because we were truly not employees of the fire department. We were provisional employment and that we needed our civil service status to be eligible for the promotional exam. From then, the open competitive came up. I took the open competitive. I knew I needed to get a very high scar. I knew I needed to get 100 on physical because I didn't have the promotional exam. On the written, I got a 98.46. I got one question wrong. And on the physical, I got 100. And then I waited. And I waited in EMS. I got assigned to Station 13, and I didn't approach EMS jadedly. I was like, this is a career, and I'm going to learn something from it. 
I loved helping people. So I was on a bus and I had two great partners. My bus sat in Washington Heights. I went between Harlem and Washington That's Heights. That's a great area to work. Exactly. <laughs> you, you know, yo soy dominicano, yo pareso morena. So I was happy there. And I had great partners and Station 13, we were a family. They understood that we treated each other well. We looked out for each other. We covered each other's shifts. And then Artie Lester, he was one of the lieutenants in the, the EMS Academy. When I came for my refresher, he'd be like, you're a great instructor. And I'm like, nah, I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was taking the final exam for my refresher. It was the entrance exam for the instructor. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, I, and I'm so anal getting good scores that I, I got one question wrong. And he was like, you should be teaching. And he was like, you, you're going to be good at relaying the information. And I'm very grateful and thankful to him that he saw something in me that I didn't see myself and pushed me because by him doing that, I became an instructor. And then I met you and you, you taught me how to instruct. And that was a great period because you were a tough cookie. And now teaching opens up all these other avenues. It does. Internally and externally, which I did. I wind up teaching outside. So somewhere between the time that you've uh, started teaching, mm -hmm. then you get called to be a firefighter? Yes. I got into the class. I, I became a firefighter. And then I got assigned to Engine 275. South Jamaica, where it burns. My captain, when I walked through the door, was Jerry Clinton. He was the captain of Engine 275 and the captain of the truck. They both became battalion chiefs in my career. Was Philip Saravino. He was the captain of 133. It's a dual house. I walked into the firehouse scared like everybody else. I bet. I was the only one in my class to go to Engine 275. I knew I was going to be the only woman there. And I introduced myself to the guys. And, you know, you have your cake and your pastries and your hands are full. And I walk in and I talk to the captain. And then we had our wonderful conversation. And I let him know that I wanted to be treated like everybody else and to be given an opportunity. And he assured me that that would happen. And he didn't lie. That, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I'm moved by it because, you know, your path, you get lucky in a lot of ways in that you are put in the path of a lot of people who are going to help you out. Yeah. Right? And I think that's God. You know, I, I believe in God greatly and I pray and I'm a Christian. And I think that when things were very, very difficult for me, I would pray about it and I would ask a higher power for help and I would receive help. It may sound rosy, what I'm describing, but a lot of parts of it are not rosy. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people trying to seek employment in the fire department, their experience is not rosy. It's not a great experience. And I would say to them, just keep persevering. If you have a goal that you want, you keep pushing for that goal. Some people get whatever they're reaching for right away. Good for them. And then there's some people have to work a little bit harder. It doesn't mean that if I had to work a little bit harder, that it wasn't worth getting it at the end. It's sweeter at the end because I worked harder I, and I still persevered. Also, what kept me going was the original 41. They endured a lot more than me. The original 41 women, they took an exam in the 70s. They were the first group of people to ever be allowed 
to take an exam. Right. Before that, women weren't even allowed right. to sit for the exam. That same exam was the first time they ever changed the exam, the physical portion, to the hardest physical ever known in the fire department history. Right. And there were some men who were successful to pass it, and there's some men that were not successful to pass it. Right. And the women failed that. And then they had a lawsuit, a clash action lawsuit, and women were hired, 41 women were hired to go into probationary academy. But I don't even know what is actually the number of women who actually sat down for that written exam. And how many of those women, because of the pushback they probably received from family, friends, right. people who didn't support them in their dream, right. just walked away. And then some of the women who actually, who took the physical and failed, felt so defeated, even when they called them for the lawsuit, refused to even enter that clash action lawsuit. Right. So if those original women did not pave the way and endure a great deal of hardship, even when they actually did graduate, mm -hmm. even when they actually went to a firehouse, some of the behavior was egregious. And those women, if they didn't do that, I probably would have never had the opportunity to even be thought to take a firefighter exam. Well, and at the time, there were even protests, right, by women. By women. Picketing. Right. right. So can you imagine you're a woman and you see a whole row of women with picket signs saying, you're going to kill my husband? It's very defeating. It speaks volumes to me of the character of those women. They wanted to serve the city. They wanted to be a firefighter. And they walked through those picket lines going into work every day. And then even when they walked into the picket lines going into the firehouse, where they received well in the firehouse. Right. But I, I have to come to believe that there had to be some decent men in those firehouses that they at least saw them once a tour or every other tour that made it easier for them to keep going to work. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. So after your first day walking into a firehouse and you have a captain that says, yeah, we're going to make sure you're given a fair shot, how does it progress for you? Well, luckily for me, the house had a lot of junior people and we all worked together. And um, there were guys that the middle of the way guys who had, you know, more time than me that were very, very helpful. But the senior men were senior men. So they didn't allow certain behaviors to occur. I think that I was very blessed in that aspect because they taught me because they knew I wanted to learn my job. And I was always trying to look over the rig and know where every tool was. And they gave me a tool sheet. And one guy was like, you had to make sure you know this, where this and this and this, where you better not make us look bad. And then we drilled, we drilled all the time. One guy, I will never forget him in particular, we were moving an inch and three quarter outside across in a park just to see if I could advance it by myself. I'm like, here's probing school again. And I just did it. We moved from two and a half and I moved it and then he jumped in. His reaction was like, I told you she could do it. By him saying, I told you, it was like he said it before not in my presence. And then it made the captain look good. And then we, we started going to fires. And you know, in the very beginning, they don't give you the nozzle, right. you get backup. And then I tried to do my best in the backup. I tried to be, have all my two things on and whenever they ask me a question, I know where I'm going. And then as we go to more fires, people have more confidence in, in your ability because they see you actually doing it. You're new, you have this 
this desire to do well and, and so people can see you do well. And then in my mind, I kept saying, if you keep doing good, you keep doing good, the past will erase itself. People won't even notice. And it'll just get better and better if you just know this and you answer this question right and you, you know your job and you, you're, you know, you're physical and you, and, you, and you do what you're supposed to do, then it'll change the paradigm. Right. That was me saying mantras to myself. And then I had no idea. I didn't even know the guys even liked me. I was more about them respecting me. That was going in my head all the time. And yeah, over time, you make friendships with certain people, but they're like, they became family to me. But it was just getting respect and, and retaining that respect. And anytime I ever messed up, I said, I'm sorry, it'll never happen again. And I learned from it. Anytime you get a critique, it feels bad, mm -hmm. right? Right. And I would say, then make me better. It's like, what did I do wrong? Show me what I did wrong and let's work at me fixing what I did wrong. And they'd be like, that's what we critique so we could all be better as a company. It was never about you, it's about the company. And my house would say that all the time. It's never about the individual. It's a collective body of us that make us great. Right. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm dealing with real men. <laughs> And then I come to find out when, it, you know, Christmas party comes by or a picnic comes by, I see the men start to bring their children around. And then I'll start to see the guys who I always see advocating and fighting and making sure, right, all have daughters. So it's like, I don't look like them, but I, I could be their daughter. And they're like, how am I going to treat my daughter poorly? The great thing when I was training in 2002 was the United Women Firefighters Association. The president at the time was um, now Lieutenant Anna Stromerhorn Collins. Anna was running the training program. Fitness unit helped us out. The fire department was great and diligent with the recruitment. Had us train at The Rock. Each affinity group, or now it's called affinity, but fraternal organization back then, was given a day. I showed up Monday to Saturday the people who were running the affinity groups were great enough to allow me to even show up on other days. Right. One guy, I remember hearing him say, he was like, this girl has a desire. Like, why would we stop her? And one guy, you know, one of the candidates, like, you got a day. The girl's got a day. Why don't you go on that day? Yeah, sometimes I go on that day. But it depends on my work schedule because I work midnight to 8, okay? And sometimes I have to do an another shift or I'm ordered and I may miss this training and then I try to make it up on another day. Because it was true, I tried to go consistently with the women. Because you feel better like when you go with a group of women. For me, it was fantastic because you, know, you see women like you who are able to do and we're right. working together and you get that camaraderie. Mm -hmm. After that, it was in the firehouse over time doing things. They just wanted being like my dysfunctional family. <laughs> <laughs> they did, they did. What prompted you to want to meet the, the original 41 women and is that partly what leads you toward becoming an advocate for women? So what made me want to meet the original 41 women, it was because when I was training and I met Chief Jones, Rocky Jones, uh, Eileen Greenan, uh, Lois Mungay, Lorraine, Joanne Jacobs, Mary Monahan, Margaret Moffat, who showed up to make sure that we were successful, I was like, where's the rest of them? Where's the rest of them in that picture? Like, can I meet them? And then over time, you would see some at the UWF meetings. And for some reason, some of them were so negatively affected by their treatment, they wanted no parts of the fire department. Like, any recollection of the fire department would, would cause them emotional harm. You know, so I said to myself, 
if I ever had the ability to make sure that never happens to another woman, I'm gonna do it. And so I try my best to do that, even in the shadows. I don't really need to be seen to help. You don't necessarily need to have a title to help someone. And I started doing that. The outreach program where you are actually appointed to women's coordinator doesn't happen till about 2015. What were the responsibilities in that role? So a lot of women didn't know civil service law. If they were pregnant, it stops the clock. Right. They have their baby and they start back up again. They just thought they were out of the process so they didn't even respond. I sent emails, letters, certified letters. I made multiple phone calls. So I got women to respond and I started getting women reinstated onto the list. I started meeting with women going into probie school, making sure they connected with the UWF, the United Women Firefighters, because they have a free training program. If they couldn't meet with them, I met with them, and I trained them and helped make sure that they were where they needed to be or put them in tools to a woman who's near them that they could help them. And by doing so, it started to increase the number of women going into the fire academy, successfully passing. Then the directive was pushed because we had the open competitive coming and the promotional. Can we send messages into the dashboard communication system in an ambulance? to send messages out to potential promotional candidates. The time is now, there's free training, go to practice at The Rock for CPAT, which is a 12-week familiarization program. Come to FAP, which is the fitness awareness program. There's so many different avenues now to help you. So there's multiple steps in play that come together to make sure that a candidate is successful. That wasn't around when I was going in. Right. They even have a mentorship program. And I would push all the little avenues and programs designed to make people successful. Right. That were created to make people successful. And then I said, if you want me to recruit, I'm going to recruit the city. So I went to the military bases with the military outreach coordinator. I would uh, go to all the high schools this position was created to make sure that the fire department gets qualified candidates and women to look at this job as a great career. So what I did was I started going to all girls schools first. I would go, I would introduce myself to the principal, I would sit down and explain what I was going to do. I'm not going to just tell you about my job. I'm going to show you what my job is. I'm going to get a fire truck to show up. I'm going to get gear for you to put on. I'm going to have holes for you to pull. I'm going to put a mannequin that you do dummy drag. I'm going to put portions of CPAT in front of you. And if you could do it with no training and hardly struggle, your mindset starts to change. You go, this job is physical, and I like being physical. I can do this. So that's what I started doing. I would do it through their gym periods. Everybody has gym. And if I take over your gym and give you a little precur of the fire department, what did I do? I put a taste. And now at that age, since you're 17 and a half, you can sit down and take the exam. I dealt with juniors and seniors. You're going to be thinking about it as another career choice. Because if you were never exposed to something, how would you know you want it or not? And then I expanded it to the colleges. It worked very, very well. So originally when women would take the tests, we would range filing from about 4%. 4% of the total the population. The total population would be women 
filing for the exam. Okay. Who would actually sit for the exam would be around 2.5 to 2.8% of the population sitting for the written exam would be women. We already lost half of them for the written. Between the time they filed and the time the test is being given. After the first campaign that I was truly involved in and utilizing social media and the media, you know, I went on every show I could possibly get on, <laughs> you know, and um, the number filing sit down for the test of that exam was 14 percent with women. After the programs that you started. And 12.85 sat down for the written. That's impressive. So it was like multiple people doing multiple things to make sure. And all I knew was exposure. If women saw other women, they can know that they could do it too. And that it is doable. And then I started seeing chief's children, women, take the exam and get on. Firefighters' daughters, while their sons are on, their sister is getting on. Not telling their sisters, no, this job is not for you. Helping their sister train, supporting their sisters to get on. And that's what changes it. The more women that get into a firehouse, you see them at a fire, they're doing their job, just like the men, changes the mindset. In any job, when you're starting out brand new, it doesn't matter whether it's a male-dominated job that women are breaking mm -hmm. in on or just any job in general. When you're new, you have to prove yourself. It doesn't yes. matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what the occupation is. Absolutely. And what you're working toward is everybody being on that equal footing. Yes, that you know, our job is very, very physical. Being a firefighter, being an EMT, being a paramedic is a very physical job. It demands a lot of your emotions. It demands a lot of your mental fortitude. And it especially demands a lot of your physical strength. And that's what people are afraid of, that last component. I don't think that they are afraid of the mental aptitude. No, because you take a written exam like everybody else. It's the physical aspect of every job that people are afraid of. And once you learn the techniques, do the work, and shut them down and prove them wrong, it changes the paradigm for a male, female, or anyone else. How do you end up becoming a squad firefighter? What is that about? Special Operations Command, what leans you toward pursuing that goal? What did you have to do to obtain it? And why do you want to be a firefighter in SOC? Why wouldn't I want to be a firefighter? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, why wouldn't I want to be a firefighter in the Special Operations Command of the FDNY? They've always been an application program. I came to find out. I heard it was coming up, and I went to meet the captain at the time. In that process, the best thing was my captain wrote. He was very upset that I wanted to leave, but he understood. When I told him I was going to fill out my application, I was going, I pulled him aside, and I talked to him and I said, listen, it's not about the house. I need more for me. And then I pulled the senior men, all the senior men in the engine and all the senior men in the truck. And I know I don't, I didn't have to do that, but it's, you know, I just wanted to do it. I wanted to explain to them what I was doing and why I was doing it. It was not a reflection on the house or a blemish on them. I didn't want to leave them. I just needed more for me. I, you know, I love what special operations Command actually offers, it offers different avenues and different learning tools and different equipment and exposure to a different side of the fire department that I wanted. And uh, they were pissed, but they understood. 
<laughs> it's always hard to lose somebody who's a valued member of the team. It's so funny you said that, what you just said, valued member of the team. My captain wrote that on my evaluation, on my application. He wrote anywhere that Jackie Michelle goes, she will be a value and an asset to that company. I, he didn't know this, but when I walk, like I'm tearing up, you know, like it validated, it validated a lot for me. Wow. <laughs> All right, I, I didn't mean to have emotion. You know, like I had 12 years mm -hmm. and you know, the academy wasn't great for me. Right. And he validated that. Like, it, it was like, it was like, yeah, you proved them all wrong. It validated that. And, 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 and then the, the irony is when I went to go see the battalion, the 5 battalion, he wrote it again. He wrote it again. And then when I saw my division commander, he said, all they're saying is the truth. I watched you for 12 years. And I'm like, holy, like you don't realize how people just pay attention to you. You know, I got into squad 270. We went to rescue school first. And in rescue school, I just wanted to make sure that my company looked good. You know, I was the only woman there. They give you an exposure of the 12 disciplines in a period of time. So, you know, it's shoring, it's rigging, firefighter removal in a different way. You actually breach a wall to get to the down firefighter, go through a smaller area to pull them out, come find space, or you get a taste of all the major disciplines, which was fantastic. It actually charged me even more because I knew that I was learning a lot more and all the tools that I learned before were being expanded and heightened. But then I operate as a, a technical firefighter where I can be on rope. Squad 270, we go into the water, Rockaway Beach. Somebody is drowning, we have our own Zodiac boat. We go in and we try to retrieve the person. So we do multiple different things. And it's always difficult to have change into the unknown. In my career, I've been blessed with two great houses. So what comes next for you? You hit your 20th anniversary, you sticking around? Of course I'm sticking around, I just got to talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I got so much to learn. I have so much to learn. I'm not going nowhere. You're stuck with me, I mean, age out. When you come face to face with these young women who I either have never considered the fire department as a possible career, what are some of the things that they say to you about becoming a firefighter that you've either been surprised about or you hear as a consistent undertone? Consistent undertone I hear is, can I do it? And then I get into this, you can do anything you set your mind to speech. Or how are they gonna treat me? You know, because firefighters still underneath the umbrella for women as a non-traditional employment for women. And I say to them that Right now we're at 118 women. And I'm like, all 118 women, if they thought they couldn't do it, they wouldn't be. So I usually tell them, give me your number. Call me when you're feeling you're at your lowest, I'll give you a pep talk. We'll go for a walk, we'll go for lunch. I'll run with you, I'll train with you, I'll study with you. You're not alone. And there are other women just like me that are out there willing to help you. This job is doable. Now, I, I'm very realistic. So I say to them, it's gonna be hard. 
you have to work out. There's no way you're going to do this not working out. We have to carry 50 pounds of gear on your body, and we'll start off gradually to see how you can handle that. And if you gave it 110% and you still don't get it, you'll be proud with the outcome that you at least tried. Because do I think every woman could be a firefighter? No. Do I think every man could be a firefighter? No. But everyone should be given the opportunity to be successful or not. That's what the goal is for me. Everyone being given the opportunity, no matter who you are, to be successful. If any of our listeners have interest in joining the FDNY, go to joinfdny.com. That's joinfdny.com. And follow us on social media at joinfdny. Jackie, it's been great talking to you. It's always great talking to you as well. It's really good to have you here and to share your story. Thank you for listening to this episode of the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org.